Hello, this is Pastor Mike Agnew at St. Paul's United Methodist Church, and I want to welcome you. I thank you for tuning into our sermons on our sermon podcast. During this season of Lent, we are looking at different parables that Jesus told, different stories that are meant to share deep theological truths about the kingdom of God or living under God's reign. So this story, The Good Samaritan, is found on page, well, it's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. You know, I think that some of the best movies have surprise endings. You know, a twist at the end that none but the most astute of viewers could possibly catch ahead of time. Whether it's a mystery or a thriller or any genre, these movies are oftentimes the most memorable. Now, movies that are predictable can be good too, right? I mean, uh, you know, people like a good Hallmark movie or a superhero movie where you pretty much know what's going to happen. But the ones with the surprise endings are the most memorable. Perhaps that's why Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan is so well known. You know, it had a surprise ending that nobody listening to expected. So each parable that Jesus tells has a context. And the story of the Good Samaritan is actually part of an answer to a question by a lawyer. You see, in those days, a Jewish lawyer was also a theologian. The law was the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And for them, this constituted their law. And so the, the, the lawyer comes to Jesus and the question is, how do I receive eternal life? Good question, right? Jesus responds with caution, though, by asking another question. He basically turns it right back on him and says, what do you think? Now, why would Jesus do this? I mean, if ever there was a question to directly answer, that would be it, right? But many people were out to get him. And in verse 25, it says the lawyer was testing Jesus. In other words, this wasn't just an innocent question. And so answering a question with a question can help Jesus get at the motive for why he's asking it in the first place. So the lawyer responds correctly that we gain eternal life by loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourself, the greatest commandments. But then Jesus well, then the lawyer asks a second question. He says, who is my neighbor? And this prompts the story. So according to the story, a man is on a journey and he's mugged, stripped, beaten, and left to die by a group of thugs. Now in Jesus' story, a priest walks by, but he stays clear and continues on his way. Then a Levite did the same. Seeing the man, he stays away and continues on. Now, priests and Levites are the most religious of the Israelites. In the Old Testament, they are given responsibility of carrying out the religious practices and duties on behalf of others. I mean, these are the ones you would expect to help. Them helping would be the predictable ending. In fact, the lawyer probably wasn't the only one listening to this story. These religious folks were probably also hearing it. And Jesus usually doesn't make the religious folks the heroes of his stories. So as he continues his story, a Samaritan walks by. And when seeing the hurt man, he stops to care for his wounds. 
He puts him on his donkey, he takes him to an inn, and takes care of him throughout the night. The next day he gives two days of wages to the innkeeper so he could take care of the man, and then said he would pay back any additional costs above that. I mean, this guy went above and beyond to take care of this man. And so then after telling this story, Jesus asks the lawyer, who is the neighbor in this story? Well, the lawyer reluctantly says, the Samaritan. And then Jesus says, go and do likewise. A surprise ending for sure. Not the answer anyone was expecting to the lawyer's question. Now, that may be hard for us to hear because we're so used to this story. We've had 2,000 years of this, that we even think of the word Samaritan as a good person, right? That we call it the good Samaritan, right? Not the evil despised Samaritan like they would have back then. But for us, the word Samaritan is synonymous with good deeds and Christian service. But that's not the way they thought of Samaritans back then. See, this is an unorthodox parable for Jesus to share, and it would have been pretty offensive in its exaltation of a Samaritan over two respectable religious types. You see, in order to understand the full impact of this story, we have to realize that the Jews and the Samaritans hated one another for hundreds of of years, ever since the time of the exile. To give you a little bit of background in the exile, during the Old Testament, what was once the unified kingdom of Israel was divided into the northern and southern kingdoms. Now, a foreign nation called Assyria attacked the northern kingdom. All who were killed, all who were not killed, were deported, except for the poorest of the poor who were left to care for the land. Later on, eventually, the Assyrians settled some of their own people there as well. And so the resulting mixed race of Assyrians and the poorest of the poor who had originally lived in the northern kingdom, became known as the Samaritans. The Jews hated the Samaritans, the Jews in the southern kingdom. They hated the Samaritans because they felt that they had compromised their faith and had mixed their faith with the Assyrians. In fact, there was so much hatred that Jewish travelers would walk around rather than through Samaria, even though it would lengthen their trip. So Jesus is speaking to this Jewish crowd, and he knew how they felt about Samaritans. And so he's intentionally provoking them and broadening their preconceived notions of who is in and who is out of God's reach. I mean, at its core, this is a story of an outcast helping another outcast, two discards of respectable religiosity. The Samaritan helps in ways that many people would consider to be expensive of both time and resources, I mean, really, when you think about it, he's not going to finish his journey on time. In the morning, he offers to pay expenses for two days, but really an indefinite amount of time with no questions asked. I mean, many of us would consider this to be wasteful. And yet, when Jesus tells us to go and do likewise, it means that love of neighbor should not be so calculated and restrained all the time. You know, lack of love or limited love is easy to justify. I've got other things to do. I'm busy. Or she doesn't deserve it. Or I don't want to disappoint those expecting me. I should be on my way. No, our love shouldn't be limited. Instead, it should be extravagant and lavish. Loving our neighbor means acting to meet the other person's need. So oftentimes, 
this kind of love is tangible. So this story of Jesus, the story of the Good Samaritan, teaches us that love of neighbor is far more reaching than we often realize. First of all, our neighbor is defined as anyone of any race, creed, or social background who is in need. Basically, because someone is human and inhabits this planet with us, he or she is our neighbor, right? So it's not limited at all. So the term shouldn't be limited or couldn't be limited to their fellow Israelites. It included the Samaritans as well. If the Samaritan is the hero of the story, goodness gracious, the Jews would also be expected to do the same. So for us, this means that our neighbors are not limited to those in our family or those in our neighborhood. Our neighbors are not limited to those with the same skin color or church or ethnicity. Our neighbors are not limited to those who think like we do, act like we do, or make the same choices we do or make. Our neighbors are not limited to those who share our religion or to those who are kind to us. We are to love everyone. And folks, love is more than just not hating someone. (laughs) Love means wishing them well and actually doing something to help them. Now, this is not always easy to do. But ultimately, we love not because other people deserve it, right? We love because God loved us. I mean, think about this. Jesus already died for you long before you were even born. And Jesus offers you grace in spite of who you sometimes are and in spite of what you've sometimes done. And so in the same way, we are called to love others with the same love that Jesus showed us. May it be so. Amen. God bless and have a great week.